Welcome back to another podcast of Road to Abundance, guys. Today we have Jeremy with us. <laughs> Yo, we out here. Yeah, so guys, we're going to have a dope conversation. Jeremy is a microdosing expert. So you know I've been preaching it for a while. He does way more than that. He does mastermind. Um, he's very spiritual. And I heard you're a toxic man. That, that's what, that's a, one of the topics, right? Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm extremely toxic. Like when people <laughs> say the term toxic masculinity... They're referring to me. That's awesome. So, guys, I know that it's a trending thing with, with all the feminists and um, we don't want men to be empowered and all that stuff. So, it's a topic that we're going to approach today. We're going to talk about biohacking, hacking your body to make the best out of it, hacking your mind to get the best out of it. So, um, tell us a little bit more about you, like your story. Where, how did you become the coach that you're right now and, and the mastermind and the microdose and all the good yeah, stuff? yeah. I mean, honestly, man, like the short story, you know, I grew up in the Bay Area, California, San Francisco area. Um, my dad was a brain doctor and I was always, since a young age, interested in the brain. Like, yeah. how can I, how can I perform better in sports and school and optimize my performance? And um, as I got a little older, like 17, all, all through my life, I was the scrawniest kid, bro. Like the scrawniest, skinniest like skinny. okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Like the skinniest, you could see my ribs. Like it was disgusting. Senior year of high school, when I was like seventeen, I finally started going to the YMCA, lifting weights. I was like, oh shit! Like I see growth, right? Yeah. And then like I kind of just became interested with fitness at that mm -hmm. time. Like social media wasn't even existed, mm -hmm. so I thought fitness was just like a hobby. It, it wasn't something I could like make money off of. But anyways, went to college, studied business. Anyways, a couple years after that, started pursuing my passions. And I think that's like the biggest, like the biggest thing. And we'll talk into that, like talk, talk about that more today. Like the importance of really pursuing your fucking passions, bro. Yeah. Because yeah. so many people don't and they spend their whole life a slave to this system. <clears throat> we'll talk about that later. But basically got into training Uh, and I was always coaching, like coaching tennis, coaching basketball, 17, 18. Like I, I always saw myself as like a leader, Yeah, you know? And uh, anyways, 24, 25, I start, I'm coaching youth sports. Some of the parents are like, hey, can you train me? They see kind of like my physique and stuff. I'm like, uh, I just said, yes. I was like, I need money, bro. Like, yes, I wasn't <laughs> even certified it. at the time. Yeah. So I was like, I better get my ass certified. Well, but what certification? Like anyway, like it doesn't really mean shit. It's another school stuff. Like I know a lot of coach that are certified that are trash. Like to be honest, like facts. I see 90% of the coach in the gym. They're not good at what they're doing. And 90% of the bro online, they're not good at what they're doing. That's true. I and mean, sometimes they're in shape, but it doesn't mean that you're a coach because you're in shape. Not one, 1000%. And I think some people, many people are actually like addicted to education. They're like, I'm not qualified enough. I need the next certification. Now yeah. I have 12 to 15 different certifications ranging fitness, nutrition, mobility, <clears throat> like yeah. all the things, mm -hmm. because I do think it's important just to be a knowledge seeker in getting different skill sets yeah. so you can serve at a higher level. Right. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so I was personal training for a while, built a reputation in that. And then really by far the most life-changing of my, the, the, the most life-changing transformational experience for me 
and it's not even close, was July 2018 in Peru when I first sat with ayahuasca. And that, bro, just literally blew the doors open to my new future, my new reality. And we can talk more about it, but like... So just, um, guys, if you don't know what ayahuasca is, it's basically a plant, like, um, especially in South America, it's a medicine. It's a root that they mix with a leaf, that the leaf has DMT. DMT is uh, psychedelic that will get you some good stuff (laughs) and a good uh, inner, like... It, it's an inner journey. Let's say it like that. And ayahuasca is one uh, psychedelic, uh, like uh, psilocybin is another one. There's like, we're going to talk about a few, yeah, yeah, but yeah, like, yeah. that was your first real experience with ayahuasca. Yeah. Yeah. And it's important <laughs> to know just because I know we're going to be talking about this stuff, like throughout the conversation, I always like to just say, this is not medical advice. It's just sharing experiences. Yeah. And all of these medicines that we're talking about are extremely potent and powerful and they need to be respected, right? And that's yeah. like the biggest thing. So ayahuasca is probably one of the most potent, intelligent plant medicines. As you mentioned, it's indigenous to South America, the Amazon. Um, you should do it with a guide. Like, let's say like that the first time you do even uh, psilocybin, which is shroom, you should do it with a guide. Um We'll talk about bad trip and what is exactly a bad trip because there's no such thing as a bad trip. But we'll 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 put the points on, on that and we'll we'll talk more in detail. And it is for sure the the life changing experience. Like, have it, you have you sat with ayahuasca? <clears throat> I did ayahuasca once. I didn't like it. Like a not that I didn't like the the thing. I didn't like the group that I was. The setting was not good. So mm. I drink twice. Like like a full on stuff, like the, the, the fullest you can go. And I was still sober. Where'd you go to do it? Uh, it was in LA. Like we did it. And, and I didn't like the shaman. I didn't like the place. I didn't like the people that were there. Like, it's very important when you're going to sit with your energy guys that you make sure that you do it the right way. And the next time I'll try ayahuasca, I'll be only with people that I know and trust and I or alone or a private ceremony and stuff like that. So that was for me, I cannot get um, into the medicine. I cannot have effect. I control my mind so hard that if I don't let go, there's nothing happening. And I was like, "Wow, it's it, I'm not I'm not, I'm not in a journey right now." And I just left in the middle, like three hour in. I'm like, I'm done. So so that I mean, I'm glad you're sharing that because it just shows and communicates the importance of like mm-hmm. doing your research and understanding. I personally, especially when it comes to ayahuasca, like. Don't get me wrong. I'm sure there's great people that are local in America. Yeah. You know, I know a couple of good medicine people in South Florida, especially for the first time. <clears throat> I think, and I have great resources for this, but like doing it where it's actually native to. Yeah. There's a special power to like going to Peru. Yeah. And sitting sure. with an indigenous shaman and they're whole lineage were shamans and it's like there's a deeper connection to the medicine that you can't even really describe yeah no i feel you the the and the thing is um i had a very close friend of mine in la she hosted a thousand ceremony so like a lot with different shaman and she had the oldest of the oldest shaman like the thing is uh his his grandfather was still it was a hundred years old i think still hosting ceremony and shit that's pretty she told me that a lot of the shaman they're not like 
who they pretend to be or they're not necessarily good people. And a lot of them, they don't cleanse their energy after the, the ceremony, which there's a lot of things coming out. So it's important to do the work. So not only it's important to find a place where you trust people, but it's important to know the shaman that you're doing it with or the guide because a lot of them, Certainly like in not. any other work, it, there could be something. So make sure that you choose wisely. Yeah. So, I mean, and, and just finishing up, like, Kind of on the origin story so that experience was almost five years ago in peru and what did it change in your life like how did it change you yeah so <laughs> wow it, it's funny because i was talking to my boy yesterday and i shared this with him so wow i mean literally the first sarah it was a three-day it was a shorter retreat so we sat with the medicine two nights three days it was a three-day experience you could extend it to five but i just it's my first time i just <laughs> yeah anyways Bro, the f first of all, this is like even before before drinking the medicine, before sitting with ayahuasca, it was me and 15 others approximately. We were all strangers. Yeah. I didn't know any of them. Yeah. And I knew just based on the energy that everyone was feeling a little anxious, scared, nervous, of yeah. course, especially when it's your first time. And I sensed this energy, bro. And before we all went in to the place where we were sitting with the medicine, I just gathered everyone outside. And I was like, guys, I just want to say a collective blessing before we get in there that we get our prayers answered, that we all tap in to more self-love, mm -hmm. more healing. And I'm literally getting goosebumps thinking about it because when I got in there and they gave me my cup, I felt so at peace. Yeah. Cause I was like, I was like, even if my life ended right now, I ended my life doing what I love and bringing people together, inspiring others, mm -hmm. making others feel safe. And I was like, yo, like, like this is what I'm born to be born to, to do. do. Yeah. And then, and then literally bro, like first, first night, first experience, I'm going through different things. I'm processing different events from my past a big thing for me you know I have one older brother okay he's five years older than me and we were very close my childhood and then when I was 13 he was 18 he started to veer down a path of drugs alcohol addiction and it really caused my family so much pain yeah and it was essentially like I lost my brother he's still here with us but that relationship that closeness that intimacy that brotherhood was gone yeah and I didn't realize until that experience how much resentment I was holding on to. For my against him, yeah. Because I kind of just, <clears throat> like, we're oftentimes trained as men. It's Pushing like, down. Exactly. Suppress. Repress your emotions. Yeah. Right? Just push forward. And I had done that for fucking 10 years. And it was that ceremony, bro, where I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, that whole... 15 years of being disconnected from my brother actually tore my heart apart. So the medicine, ayahuasca, had me viscerally experiencing some of my brother's pain and traumas, some of the suffering that he had experienced. Mm -hmm. And through that, I had experienced so much of his pain, trauma, suffering. Now, by no means do I want to say like, I know what my brother's experience was like because this was only a but fraction you were connected. of that. You exactly. were connected to the experience and then 
it's good to have compassion to understand where where he was at that moment in time because sometimes when we look at people we don't necessarily understand their trauma and then when we start putting ourselves into their shoes and then be having out of compassion not empathy that that we'll talk about it because empathy people drag you down compassion is understanding but keeping your heads up and now you understood the journey and it it freed some inner trauma for you facts like every, that that's such an important point that you just said because that's exactly what it did it allowed me to cultivate compassion mm -hmm. for my brother so i was able to remove this anger and resentment that i'd been suppressing and transmute it to compassion for my brother the pain the suffering that he endured and i remember dude that after that first night it was like 3:30 in the morning everyone else was sleeping It was me and the shaman, bro. Still there. We're in the sacred valley of Peru. And I called my brother. And I hadn't talked to him at that point for a few months probably. And I just called him, dude. And I expressed how much I loved him. And that I was like, dude, none of this shit from the past matters. We have such a bright future as brothers, as a family, as a collective, like, I don't want to hold on to any grudges. Mm -hmm. Like I don't want there to be guilt and shame for yeah. what you did or what you didn't do or whatever. Like let's just focus on building brick by brick and cultivating that, that level of love and compassion for one another. Yeah. And I think hearing that from me allowed him to forgive himself. Like yes, it not as simple beginning. as yes, <laughs> exactly. It started the, the 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 fire, the ignition of like the the healing journey because it's like you gave him permission to go forgive himself. Yeah, man, and I and I and I really think like, especially in America, man, it seems like there's so many families that are torn apart. Yeah, you know, parents divorce, parents and children. So often there's like anger, resentment, all these grudges that are being held. Yeah. Like this is our fucking family, bro. And of mm -hmm. course we all fuck up. We all make mistakes, but like <clears throat> that opportunity to really put yourself in the other person's shoes. Yeah. And, and, and one thing I can add to your story and you can tell me if, if that's what happened, but one of the journey I had with like my parents, like it was literally like, um, my mom's higher self, my dad's higher self was there, my higher self and me. It's like a, we were having a full-on conversation, the, the four of us. And then it's like you realize that all the shit doesn't matter. It's all 3D stuff. It's all basic human emotion that in reality, it's like my mom was telling me, like, I'm so sorry that we have those fights in, in, in that reality that down there for stupid stuff like money or whatever it is like like small emotion that we shouldn't be triggered and it's like from a higher perspective they understand and you understand and then you can be like fuck it's so stupid like we were fighting for this like this and and it's it seems it's like it's your story basically it's people's story it's it's it, the story that they yeah. tell and and one thing tony robin kept saying is like people use very hard word like The person stabbed me in the back, but did he really? Like, did he take a knife and he stabbed you? No. So what really happened? And, and then at the end, it's like, 
well, I gave, like I loaned him $3,000 and he didn't give back. Whoa, it's a whole different story. Like this is a mistake. Shit happened. He didn't stab you in the back. Like, like it's so people use all those metaphoric words yeah. that are extremely powerful. We'll talk about spelling and words and all that stuff, but people use words and, and it creates a whole story and resentment towards people. And then when you're on, on those medicine, you see things from a different perspective that you're like, well, oh, I was so stupid. I can't believe I olded grudges for three years for that. And it frees the energy. It's, it's, it's crazy because like, man, I really think after, you know, I've, I've, I've coached <clears throat> hundreds of people in a very intimate way. And I feel like the common thread, the biggest thing holding a majority of people back is the things that they're holding on to. And so much of the shit that we hold on to, bro, are these grudges, these triggers. In a child, trauma. Exactly. And and it's, and it, and it's, it might be justified. Like you might've been fucked over. You might've suffered abuse emotionally, physically, mentally. Like that's a real fucking thing. So I don't want to discount that. But it's in the past. And then if you don't want to create the future from the past, you need to let go of that. It doesn't serve you anymore. It made you the man that you are right now, but it has to change. That, that's the thing. It's like, that's where people get confused of like, like you said, it's valid emotion. It doesn't mean it serves you. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, and, there, and it's, it's, I would, again, I, I think one of the things, and this is, I think, actually, this is probably the, th- the, the number one reason why people are hesitant or scared to sit with ayahuasca or to try a mushroom journey is because they fear the truth. Yeah. And these medicines, bro, are operating at a higher intelligence. <clears throat> yeah. So the truth will come to the surface. The truth might be that you're actually the toxic person in a certain relationship. <laughs> the truth might be like, yeah. oh, shit. I completely forgot about this event or trauma from my childhood that's been holding me back. And when those things come to the surface, it can be very challenging. It can be very painful. It can be hard. It can be scary. But ultimately, the truth is what sets you free. So if you actually allow yourself to face that thing and and process it in a healthy way, that's what allows you to actually heal from it and move forward. Yeah, and two things is like, not only that you can't access it, it's your brain will protect because your brain is uh, triggered and wired for survival. So the problem is, let's say your subconscious mind is this book right here. This is the book of the subconscious mind, uh, the, the conscious mind. The subconscious is everything around. And your brain, because it's wired for survival and protection, will place any event that it doesn't like outside of your range. So when you try to access it, you'll hit a wall. Oh, there's no more page here, but there's a whole other page. It's just uh, your brain doesn't let you access it. And when I was talking about a bad trip, that's exactly what Jeremy said. It's not a bad trip. It's emotion and trauma and stuff that you were denying and neglecting and never wanted to go to because it was hurting and painful. And now, now your higher self or God or whoever you want to call is grabbing your head and is shoving it right there so you look at it for mm. a few hours. So there's no escaping your trauma. There's no denying your trauma. There's You'll see either 
the piece of shit that you were, and it's okay because you'll change, the, the, the bad friend, bad parent, bad relationship, or the abuse that you had and you denied, anything will come up. Emotion will come up. And like you said, that's how you're going to be free. That's how you're going to be set free. So it's very important that you sit with it. And even for me, that I understand it, <clears throat> like the last time I did a journey, I had this like crazy thing started happening. And I was like, I told my girl, I'm like, I can't talk for the next 15 minutes because I was fighting really, really, really deep inside. And I, 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 it's, it's like, it was a weird battle. And I was like, fuck, this is bad. Like, like it, and it was fighting as something inside about my emotion. And, mm. and even for me, I, I had to go and be like, I'm going to need to breathe and I'm going to need to release the emotion and you have to embrace it because there's no other way around. It's yeah. I mean, and that's like the whole, the whole idea of surrender, which you oftentimes hear in like the plant medicine circle is like, that yeah. was what dude, like when I went for my first ayahuasca journey, I had multiple friends and, and mentors who had sat with the medicine before they're like surrender. That was like the only thing they said. I'm like, what the fuck does this mean? Surrender. <clears throat> so, so for me, it's like exactly what you said. It's really being able to number one, trust. Mm -hmm. I'm safe. I'm supported and I'm going to be okay. This Nothing is my bad path. Gonna happen. Right. And, and, and understand like there's a reason why 99.9% <laughs> of people don't pursue the path of personal growth and expansion. It's because it's much easier to stay comfortable in your sea of yeah. mediocrity. <laughs> yeah. And, 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 and ultimately, bro, everyone, everyone has pain. Everyone has trauma. Everyone has emotional wounds from their past, mm -hmm. different extents of it, right? The longer you let that shit linger, the, the more it's, gonna, it's gonna manifest as an adult, bro. And yeah. we have we have so many people who are adults walking around the face of the earth right now who are really mm. just fucking big children. Babies. <laughs> no, they're children, and that's not their fault. That's not our fault. Like that's how we've been programmed. It's societies. And there's a quote that I love about that is if you don't heal your trauma, you're gonna marry your trauma. So Life is going to send you a partner that has everything that you're trying to deny. And that's why a lot of people end up in divorce. That's why the divorce rate is so high. Because if you don't heal your shit, you can't love yourself fully. You will never be able to love someone fully. And you're going to marry your trauma. Life is just a reflection of what's inside of you. So if you don't clean the, the landing and the, the, the taking off of your plane, it's going to be full of shit. That's what you're going to attract. And then people are like, keep attracting asshole. I keep attracting people that lies to me. Yeah. There's a reason for it. Like, right. And, and again, chances are in that scenario that you just mentioned, you're lying to yourself. You're not yeah. being honest with yourself because again, when you realize and face your truths head on, some of those things might be bothersome. There might be things that you mm -hmm. don't fucking like about yourself. And that's good. That's good. If you never become aware and conscious of those things, you don't have the ability <clears throat> yeah. to transform and transmute them into things that actually serve you. Mm -hmm. Right? So it's like, I, and I love what you just said because it reminds me, I think it, it I, I, I'm probably going to fuck it up. But if you don't heal 
what hurts you, you're going to bleed on those who are completely innocent. You're going to yeah. constantly be taking out your anger, your mm-hmm. emotion on people who are just not involved at all <laughs> yeah. of that story, right? Because, because and, and as men too, like you said, like, I think part of being a conscious king, yeah. like part of really stepping into the divine masculine energy is being able to feel your emotions. Embracing them. Right? Yeah. Anger. Bro, anger is a powerful emotion yeah. when, you, when you channel it in a healthy, productive way. Yeah. In addition, like joy. Like, yeah. like I know so many dudes, bro, who like I never see them express any emotion. They're fucking numb to life. And yeah. that is not a way to live. So being able to feel the emotion, mm-hmm. feel the emotion Understand that the fact that you can simply feel your feelings is a superpower. That's a gift, yeah. bro. And then understanding also how to channel those emotions in a way that serves you and serves those around you. Yeah, and um, I have two things to say. The first one is about emotion. So depression and, and all that uh, numbness is the bottom, bottom emotion. It's when you're not reacting. Then it's normal. The second emotion above is anger. So when you're angry all the time or like you're angry for situation, it's actually an emotion that you're feeling. It's you're working on it because maybe you were numb or depressed, which a lot of people end up because they don't want to be angry. But angry is the emotion that tells you that something is working. And then you progress through joy. Joy is the top emotion. The thing is being angry is just a sensor. It's like your car is lighting up that you need an oil change. Are you denying it? Or are you doing the oil change? So if you're angry all the time, there's something to to heal there. There's there nobody's broken. It's just that there's things that needs to be done differently. And another thing, if it can secure people, I was watching a very interesting uh, documentary on Gaia. It's called Psychedelia. It's like 45 episode. Um, oh, 45 episodes. Yeah, it's insane, bro. They, they show every single psychedelic, even from Campbell to the cactus. Uh, I think it's um, uh, San Pedro. Yes, yeah, San Pedro, and, and then the the frog. There's another one. Um, they show every every kind, and then there's the, all the biggest name in in uh, Silas in, in psych, psychedelic that talk. And one of the guy, to give you an idea, is when I do hero journey, I'll do five gram of psilocybin, and the most I've done is eight gram. And this guy did twenty gram. Sometimes he does journey of twenty gram, and one thing that I felt super secure about it is there's nothing bad can happen. You want to know the only thing that they say in this documentary? The worst thing that you can do is to panic, go to the hospital and shoot morphins or anything that will calm your body down because then you can get stuck in between two brain consciousness. And this is the only thing. No matter what happened when you take, um, when you go in a journey, let it, let it fucking let it fucking ride. Ride the wave. Ride the roller coaster. You want to yell, you yell. You want to cry, you cry. But the worst thing you can do is try to jump off the roller coaster. This is the only injury can happen. So what they say is no matter what you, how much you took, no matter what's the thing, and that's what helped me every time that I, if I'm having an emotion, I'm like, oh, this is, I'm like, bro, the guy takes 20 grams and nothing happened. I'm, there's nothing. Like, let me just ride it through. You can't overdose on mushrooms. No, exactly. You'll fall asleep. You might not love your dreams. And you'll wake up and you'll be like, good. And the problem is a lot of people are, when, when your sh- reality start to shift and you'll have some visual stuff, 
people start to panic because it's crushing the reality. And they're like, am I going to be always like that? No, no, it's just relax, breathe and everything will be good. Yeah. That's, that's like the, that's like the, the, the really like the definition of spiritual awakening is becoming conscious, aware and awake to your subconscious mind. Yeah. So all of these suppressed stories, limiting beliefs, toxic thought patterns, you're able to actually face them Mm -hmm. head on and it's your choice. Do you want to continue perpetuating the same results? Yeah. Right. Or do you actually want to create change? Mm -hmm. And that change requires discomfort. Yeah. I don't know anyone, including you, who's achieved a level of success without getting extremely uncomfortable on a consistent basis. Yeah, and you have to, that's why I do combat every day. You have to get comfortable in the uncomfortable and no matter what's happening, there's no growth when it's comfortable. That's why we tear the muscle, the bicep to grow it, guys. We're making tears in it. We're like, we're, we're building those muscles. It takes a level of discomfort to push the body to grow. There's one thing that is inevitable in life is change. Change is going to happen no matter that you want it or not. But growth is a choice. And it's an investment in yourself. One common thing that we have and we'll keep on your story after is that I invested hundreds of thousands in mentors and, and way to find and grow myself because this can never be taken away from me. And you had a lot of mentors. You had a lot of guide. You had a lot of people coaching facts. you in the journey. And this is facts, guys. Like if you want change and if you want to grow and if you want to do things, it's very important that you apply those little life hack, which is getting a mentor. If you want to learn about psilocybin, I, I watch documentary on those mentors. I, I, I connect with people. Like first thing I was telling Jeremy, I'm like, bro, I, I'm microdose, but he's the master of microdose. And we'll talk about all the benefit for and sure, all this stuff. Sure. But it's important to get people that did the work. It, that's the hack. Like I'm showing him some stuff in my house. We're talking about some stuff that I know really good and, and sharing knowledge is how you build community and all that stuff. So after you did the journey, you decided that your purpose in life was to heal men, help men, like empower. Yeah, yeah. I mean, for me, it's like I work both. I mean, our mastermind is actually a majority women. The people I work with one-on-one are men. But um, I feel pretty good working with all walks of life at this point. Yeah. But really, that journey with ayahuasca five years ago just showed me very clearly the power of these indigenous medicines. Mm -hmm. And that sent me down this rabbit hole of like, what else is out there? So I started studying these different indigenous plants. And then I came across fantastic fungi, psilocybin, magic mushrooms. And I was like, oh my gosh, like this is when research was really starting to get pumped out by Johns Hopkins. And you could see the neuroscience and the impact on a neurological level of this medicine and how it was helping so many people whether it's healing from PTSD, depression, anxiety. And and really, I had my brother in mind, right? From that ceremony, I was like, wow, what if I could help my brother actually reconnect with his heart, reconnect with his intuition, and get off all of these big pharmaceutical drugs that are just numbing him by addressing the root cause. So that's kind of where, how that first experience with ayahuasca facilitated 
this chapter that I've been on for the last five years. That's crazy. And by the way, for um, any pharmaceutical drug, any antidepressant, there's a study that released uh, this year, actually, that proves that none of them are working. None of them, not a single one. And they keep prescribing them. And it's a meta study, which means it's a powerful study that brings all the best study together. And it's not working. I have the picture on my phone. Uh, I'll put it right here, guys, so you can see when you're watching it on YouTube. I took the picture of the study. It's not working. It's been proven. It's bullshit, but they're making tons of money and it's destroying your brain and they don't care. And let's, we can, we, we, since, <laughs> since you, since you, where you went there, we can definitely talk a little bit about antidepressants because that's actually like what my TEDx talk was on. It hasn't gone live yet. And like, pro probably by the time this goes live, my TEDx talk will go live. By the end of this month, hopefully, but um, oh, man, there's zero zero like benefit. Well, well here's the thing. First of all, first of all, if you're taking antidepressants and you're listening to this, you're watching this, definitely don't recommend just going cold turkey and stop taking them tomorrow, right? I'm not, and I know Mike isn't suggesting to do that. Um, it's not medical it, advice. We're just talking about straight up facts, and then you can verify whatever we're saying. Like I was, I was talking, I was talking to one of my clients today earlier this morning, and he was telling me he's like, "Yeah, you know, um, I've been on this anti, this current." I he told me, "I've been on this current antidepressant for the last four and a half years," and I'm like, "Well, bro." do you see any positive change? He's like, no, not at all. No. And I'm like, well, when do you expect that positive change to kick in? <laughs> Four like, years and a half. Right? And what's, what's, really, what, what's really important, there's two things, like two really important points to know. And if you're taking antidepressants, there's no guilt or shame that should be tied to that. Like it's not your fault, right? We, 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 we trusted are, the white coat. <laughs> and we're living in a, in, in, a, in, a, in a time where the healthcare system is so broken. We're putting band-aids over bullet wounds and antidepressants are like the biggest indication of that. So late 1980s, Merck, I believe, no, sorry, late 1980s, Eli Lilly, which is a huge pharmaceutical company, they launch Prozac. And the whole idea with Prozac is that it's going to increase the level of serotonin production in the brain, right? And this is making the assumption that every single person's depression is because they lack serotonin, yeah. which we now know is complete bullshit. bullshit. Like, like just use your brain. Like, <laughs> like, like every human, all 8 billion people are so unique. Their journey so unique. So you might be depressed because you're nutrient deficient. You're not getting enough omega-3s, DHA, EPA. You might be depressed because... You're not getting enough vitamin D and sunshine. You might be depressed because you have all this childhood you, trauma. You work that's at a un place you hate. Like that's there could be so many things. You might be depressed because you're not living on purpose. You're toxic a slave relationship. to a nine, you're a slave to a nine to five. Exactly a toxic. So like, there's so many reasons why people can be feeling down or depressed, mm -hmm. and a shortage of serotonin is not at the top of the list. And even if it was, here's the fucked up thing. Even let's just pretend that everyone is struggling with depression because they lack serotonin in the brain. Yeah. Okay. It's been found in a 2019 study from UCLA that the same antidepressants and SSRIs actually disrupt and disturb our gut microbiome, yeah. which is where we produce 90% of the 95%, serotonin. 95%. Yeah. So, so these same drugs that are supposed to increase the level of serotonin and serotonin production Chilling in the it. brain and make us feel happy, right? Because serotonin is the happy hormone. 
they're actually causing dysfunction to our gut microbiome, which is responsible for producing serotonin and many other neurotransmitters Mm -hmm. that are responsible for mood and mental health. So the fact that these drugs are still being pumped out and prescribed at the level that they are is ridiculous, right? And, And something that you referred to, like in 2022, Psychology Today came out with this big article that basically said depression is not because of a chemical imbalance in the brain. Yeah. And what I, what I always say is like neurotransmitters and brain chemistry definitely does play a role in one's mental health. Mm-hmm. Right. But we can't ignore lifestyle. The fact movement, Sugar. movement, nutrition, sunshine, relationships, cold bath, increased dopamine by 250% for a few hours, just cold bath, yoga, Exercise, everything you said is insane. Like, get in the, like, if you just got in a cold shower, like, if doctors prescribed cold showers for everyone who came into their clinic complaining of depression, literally, it would help. sugar. That would help with diabetes, overweight, and depression. We cure 20 million deaths a year just from overweight. And depression, it's suicide rate is through the roof, especially in men, which we'll talk about. Uh, but you can't, the thing is, like, with both of those things that we just mentioned, cold showers, nutrition, lifestyle, you can't make money from that. And that is what's so fucking broken when you realize that the only way that that healthcare companies in America make money is when you're sick. Yeah. So they're incentivized to keep you sick so you remain a slave to the system. Yeah. The last thing they want is to empower you with the tools, the strategies, the habits that actually take ownership of your life and become healthy. Yeah, it's like even like aspirin, Tylenol, all those things, it's been proven that it it damaged your inside so bad it caused cancer, gut cancer, all that shit, and they sell it and they're not gonna make it mainstream media that it's damaging because there's a lobbying of the pharmaceutical. But like Jeremy said, once you start looking for answers and just to share a little glimpse of why who, why I became the man that I am today and I have all that knowledge. I had a motorcycle accident at 19, as you guys might know. Um, I had 36 doctors on my case because my legs were fucked. My nervous, my nerve in my leg were fucked. They couldn't find anything. And then I started bleeding. I almost died three times from gut problem and gut disease and stuff like that. And I catch two parasites. One is amoeba, which almost killed me. And all that, nobody can tell. I had four colonoscopy, which, as you might know, is, is not the best thing. They, they shove a camera down your ass. It's, it's like not, I, I, and I, not only that, um, I had a weird symptom. So normally they do colonoscopy to people while they're, while they're still conscious, right? Mm. For me, they couldn't. I had a syndrome that uh, my body was so nervous because it had so much trauma lead, lead to the gut that my asshole was clinching so hard because it's a muscle that they, they had to uh, put me under uh, yeah, sleeping in order to do the camera, except the last one that I got because I was rushed to the hospital because I bleed out uh, almost to the point of dying and I was rushed in ambulance and they had to surgery on me to uh, fix the wound inside. And that time I was like semi-conscious on morphine. I could see the camera on the side and the doctor was talking to me and showing me the thing. I was like, bro, this is like, I'm barely conscious. But the thing is, all that still didn't fix 
I was bleeding from the inside for eight years and no doctor could find what's going on. And I was seeing the best, supposedly the best of the best doctor. But like you said, most wow. of them, they're only putting Band-Aid on stuff. They don't really know what they're talking about. That, this led me to a journey of self-healing, ozone, all the biohacking stuff that I do. And now I'm, I'm healed. And the thing is, no doctor was linked to that. And I didn't get sick for years now. And I use, actually to avoid parasite, when I travel, this is a trick everybody can do. I use wild oregano. Mm. Uh, gel tab oh oregano yeah oregano Amazing. and I wild one you need the wild in gel tab $20 for for like two box of pill on Amazon like super cheap you take a good quality you take two pills a day when you travel it's double the, the dose normally but there's no mm. side effect of it and this avoided me any other parasite any you know when people get sick from water in other country and stuff yeah actually um, it's the best antiviral and anti-parasite in the world it's oregano and it's fucking cheap and they're never going to tell you so well that, that that's it, it's like and and this is exactly this is exactly why healthcare companies don't like you they don't like me <laughs> yeah. right that's why literally they fucking censor me they shadow ban me is because yeah. all during the last three years of this pandemic i was actually encouraging people to take ownership of their health, right? Mm -hmm. Get sufficient vitamin D. Yeah. Get your ass outside. Move your body. Eat real whole foods. Cut out the processed shit. And I was literally getting fucking flagged. Like this is this is false information. Yeah. Like God forbid we should actually teach our citizens how to be their own healer, their own health coach. Yeah. And that is one of the things that really just frustrated me. Like especially these last three years, bro. And we can go into that, but like. What you were saying, and I just want to drive the point home, like people, people think things like Advil, aspirin, Tylenol are completely harmless because you don't need a prescription for those. Yeah, bro. Like, just, yeah. and, and doctors oftentimes actually recommend that. Oh right? yeah, all the time. If you have a fever. It, bro, it's so normal in society first. Oh, you have a headache. A headache is a fucking sign. It's a light that something is unbalanced in your body. It's something that is working. A headache and, and, and fever is your body healing itself, raising the temperature so you can heal and you can get out all the toxin and the, the negative stuff. And now it's just like, bro, I have a headache. You have an Advil? And I used to, it, it's so crazy. Um, I'll let you finish right after. It's so crazy because in Canada, Advil wasn't doing anything for me. Tylenol either I had a pill that was prescribed because I was doing cluster migraine too. It's mm -hmm. 25 bucks a pill. Shit. that's for cluster migraine this is a prescription pill because it's so strong it's like like morphine on me doesn't work when i go to the hospital they give me Jeez. fentanyl and a, and a horse dose because my body doesn't get numb like that's how bad it is so i learned really quickly that all those pharmaceutical stuff were not working for me and and I, and actually all the herbs and all that stuff 10 times more powerful and natural and healing so why don't you try like natural medicine because there's some for every different stuff you know dude it's crazy yeah and it's important man like people freak out if they have a fever that's literally <laughs> that's literally your body giving you important information yeah right and and we need to listen to our body like so many people have been disconnected from their intuition like they don't know 
when your stomach growls, that's probably a sign that you should eat something, that you're hungry. If you're yawning constantly, that's probably a sign that you're sleep deprived. You should get some rest. Like people are so disconnected from their intuition and essence and, and things like Tylenol, Advil, uh, aspirin, what they're doing actually is depleting your liver's ability to produce glutathione and glutathione is like the master antioxidant for our immune system, right? So what was happening during COVID? People's immune systems were letting them down down. because they're constantly popping these pills. They're not getting vitamin D and sunshine. So this is so important just to recognize like every input that we, that we put in our body is going to deliver some output. It's going to impact us in some capacity. So it's just being mindful of like, Oh shit. Okay. Like I can eat and it can be medicine or on the other side of the spectrum, it can be poison. Yeah. It's really important that we have to go back to normal. Like we're not talking here against medicine and there's some beautiful stuff. Like there's some surgery that are needed. There's some stuff that are needed, but popping pills left and right and all those drugs and thinking it's, it's, it's going to do something. It's not. And my mom was on antidepressant for two years and a half. And this summer I went back home and I gave her some psilocybin for five days. And she was like, you have more, like, it's fucking amazing. I never felt like that in my life. And she was on, on, and on, uh, I don't remember which one, but an antidepressant for, for two years and a half. And, and she stopped cold Turkey, like in terms of, Cause I'm against it. I was like, mom, you're not going to take that shit. And if she's my mom, I tell her like, like you're honest with her. Like, I'm, I'm not going to tell you guys to do things, but when it comes to a, a talk with my mom and, and people that I really care, I'll sit you down and I'll tell you straight up to stop all that stuff. Same thing with, there's a lot of other things that I'm against and I'll tell you the fact why right now to avoid lawsuit or anything, or to avoid any problem. We're saying we're not medical advice. We're not telling you to stop anything, but you should seek answers and you should seek different therapy and different modality Facts. to heal your body. And that's the important stuff. Um, so what, are, how did you get involved with, you discovered uh, psilocybin, uh, the little magic magic. And then how, what was your conclusion of your research on microdosing? Like, yeah, if somebody doesn't know, like, I studied nootropic and a lot of things, so I know that it's one of the most potent stuff to create uh, neurotransmission and, and, and oh neural pathway. Yeah, it's crazy, man. So first of all, I love that I love that you help support your mom create more healing and health with the support of mushrooms. <laughs> yeah. Because I did the same with my mom like five months ago. My mom's been microdosing consistently three days a week for the last five months. She's completely weaned off her antidepressants and dude, my mom's 75 years old. And like, it's fucking amazing because I, I don't love anyone more than I love my mom. You know, it's my fucking mother. Like she's a queen. And to see my mom, like more happy, bro, more joyful, less stressed, less anxious for me is like the greatest gift of all. And I think a lot of people, especially when they get older, they're stuck in their ways. They don't think, that there's any possible way they can improve their life. And one of the beautiful things coming back to your question about psilocybin and microdosing is that we're creating BDNF, 
brain-derived neurotrophic factor, which is a precursor for neuro, neuroplasticity. Okay, neuro neuroplasticity. So yeah, so so when we when we even at a small level with microdosing, we're <clears throat> increasing levels of BDNF. And what is neuroplasticity for for someone that let's say I'm listening, I'm not so aware. What does it do for me? So neuroplasticity is essentially the idea of creating new neural connections in the brain, right? If you think about a child, a five, six, seven-year-old kid, their brain is plastic, bro. Like they can pick up a ball and they'll dribble it, they'll throw it. They're, they're not necessarily worried about failing, yeah. right? If you think about when someone's, when a baby's learning how to walk, they get up, they walk, they fall back down, they get back up. They're constantly learning and adapting to their environment and learning new skills, learning new things, trying new things. And when we get older, we stop that. We become very we stop rigid. Playing. And we were scared of other people's opinion. And there's a lot of other things that come. And, and when it comes to neuroplasticity, this is very important because so microdosing, we're increasing levels of brain-derived neurotrophic factor, BDNF. That's a precursor for neuroplasticity. Neuro, neuroplasticity is what's allowing us to create these new neural connections, connect the dots in a new way. And when we do that, we're able to remove some of those old patterns, habits, and stories from our past that no longer serve us. And now we're able to think from Different. a fresh perspective. And that's what allows us to have more creative thoughts. Like some of my best ideas, bro, business, content creation, just life <clears throat> in general, are when I'm microdosing because I'm not so rigid with my thoughts and I'm more open to possibilities. And a lot of times... Dots will be connected from things from five years ago and something that just happened. And it's like very unique in the way that this medicine allows these synchronicities. And to how do you, you say when you microdose? So do you do one month on, one month off? Do you do five, two? Do you, what, like what's your... Um, so, so my microdosing protocol is very simple, very straightforward. It's Monday, Wednesday, Friday. That's what we oh, follow yeah. in our students. Yeah, Monday, Wednesday, Friday mornings. Um, why not every day? The reason why I don't believe microdosing every day is the best protocol is because number one, I don't want anyone to become psychologically dependent on anything, right? Especially a lot of my students come in and they've been dependent on Adderall, antidepressants, Xanax, alcohol, whatever it Violence, is. Yeah. And, and while I don't think there's any negative health ramifications to microdosing You don't want to create day. a dependency and, and exactly create that the brain is like, I'm like that because of this. Exactly. Okay. I don't want anyone to think like, oh shit, like I ran out, what am I going to do? And they're like, I need, and even though microdosing psilocybin in general has zero addictive properties, psychologically, I don't want anyone to be dependent or attached Put to their it. growth on that. Like I microdose every day and sometimes I'll take a little break, but I have zero addictive personality. Like... Yeah. It just I know it's good for me, uh, but because also like you don't feel when you microdose. It's not like in case you wonder, guys. It's not like you're feeling anything. It's think about it that you're taking a vitamin. You don't feel the vitamin, so you're not gonna. It's hard to have a. It's hard to have an addiction to something that you don't feel because if you don't feel it, technically, it's like when people get addicted to drug, coke, or, 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 or the antidepressant or that stuff, it's because it's releasing stuff in their brain and it's releasing dopamine and it's doing something and they're like, oh, I feel good. So that's right. why you get addicted to those drugs. Um, but 
psilocybin is a whole other story. It's, it's, it's more like a medicine. And it's super cool because in the psychedelia documentary, they're talking about that. Actually, in the 1970s and 1960s, there was a lot of study. It was amazing and doing amazing work. Oh, and they gosh. shut it down because yeah. people were becoming a little too conscious. And it's, it's not good for um, people in control when think people about start it. thinking. Well, think about that. Think about that. When all of the research for psychedelics was being stopped, right? And this is Richard Nixon, the, drug, the war on drugs, right? This is where you saw a lot of people speaking out about the Vietnam War. It was people starting to wake up and, and not just accept everything that the government was doing as truth or as fact, right? And then all of these substances got banned, got criminalized for the last 50 years. Bro, it's a, it's a, it was a, it's a, a one, like, a, it's a, it's the highest, like they put oh, yeah, a yeah, yeah. psychedelic, like a, a schedule, one, schedule one. Yeah. That's the word I was looking like. It's crazy. But, but, but it's crazy how history repeats itself, right? Because 50 years ago with the war on drugs, we were programmed to believe that mushrooms <clears throat> might kill us and they might have us. Swimming with mermaids and jumping out of buildings. I'd love to swim with mermaids. <laughs> That's actually true. But dude, 50 years later, right? What happened with COVID? What happened with COVID? As soon as people like myself and many more educated people than myself, many high, 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 uh, highly respected doctors start speaking out about what the government's doing with these lockdowns, with the masks, yeah. with the vaccines, all of those opinions are being censored and shut down. People are being deplatformed, right? Yeah, I got banned on Facebook. Uh, my reach on TikTok and Instagram and all my platform got 10 times less. Like, cause, and it, it's, it's they shutting you down when you do the dancey dance and you comply. But when you start speaking out on empowering men and, and psilocybin and, and the good stuff and talking about that people should heal themselves, this is very threatening and dangerous for society. Like it's dangerous to empower people. And, and it's crazy too, because when you really just take a step back, it's like, it, it, bro, it, it, it fucking blows my mind that there's still people that fucking watch the news. Like they watch yeah. CNN and they actually take this shit as truth. They're fucking. But if it's so, on the news, it must be true. Bro. They're like, so fucking <laughs> blinded. No, no, like, like honestly. Honestly, like think about this shit. 70, 75% of the ad revenue on CNBC, MSNBC, CNN is coming from pharmaceutical drugs. Literally every other commercial is pushing a different drug, right? Yeah. And, and of course, of course, they're going to put out messages that align with big yeah. pharma, they're including not, the vaccine. They're not bad people, guys. You have to understand that it the... Time of information was a long time ago. Now they're in the they're in a business. They want to survive. They want to make money, so they do whatever they need and they push what sex scandal and blood because that's what sells and people love that shit. Nobody loves a good story with no anything happening, and that's the problem. And then not only that, if you do look behind and and do your own homework, don't take my word for a fact. If you look, you can. There's a video. There's a documentary on. The mono monopoly of life and, and who own the world. If you type who own the world documentary, you'll see that Vanguard and BlackRock, they own every news channel, every single one of them. So the thing is, if one company 
is owning all of them, then there's no more there's no more opinion, there's no more nothing. They're being dictated from one structure to the other versus having different opinion because you would be a journalist or I would be. Now they need to report to the superior. The superior say, no, we're not doing this story. We're not running this. Take it off and that's it. And they're a business. They want to make money and they want to tell you whatever they want to tell you. And we've seen it with Twitter. Now it's like, oh, I'm so now, glad now Elon went there. down. My boy Elon yeah, fucking I mean, rocked the boat. <laughs> bro, what's crazy, it's like, and, and I don't want to seem like in this conversation, I don't want to like, because sometimes... When we, when, when we have conversations like this, people can be like, like, like it's doomsday, right? Like, yeah. oh, we can't trust anyone. <clears throat> like everything's fucked. And the message I want to communicate is it, it, it's the fucking opposite of that. Like we're coming to the good day. There's a winter right now for, but we're coming to good days are there. Like, like when you actually realize that you control your own narrative and that you don't have to be the slave to a system, that's when you feel empowered, bro. And like, I was thinking about this on the Uber ride over here, right? I was thinking about this. I was like, escaping the matrix. It's become like this top, this popular, yeah. this popular, like I think Andrew Tate helped like, like make this mainstream. And I was thinking, I was like, what does it actually mean to escape the matrix? Number one, the days of the week don't fucking matter. Like we're doing this shit on a Saturday night because we're passionate about it. Because <laughs> Saturday, yeah, exactly. I didn't know it was Saturday. Like whether it was Tuesday. Like if I want to be on the every beach, day is a good day. Chilling, reading a book on a Tuesday at one p.m. Yeah, I'm gonna do that shit. If I want to podcast on a Saturday night, I'm gonna do that shit. People like like the days of the week are one of the biggest social constructs that's designed to keep us following this this narrative and most people are living monday through friday working a job they hate they're using the weekend bro to escape that fucking monday through friday reality that they're so uh and they program you at school so when you go to school you go monday to friday a school at the beginning guys was made uh, i saw something that it was made by like henry ford and all those people like they wanted to indoctrinate people and get them ready to be in the system to be employees you go to school from morning to night. You go at your little lunch break twice a day plus your dinner and uh, plus your lunch. And that's it. And then you go to work and you do the same. But now I'm the same. Escaping the matrix for me just means living on your own term. And, and there's no such thing as a better world outside. We create the world that we want to live in. And you don't experience reality. You experience the reality that you focus on. That is very important to understand. Whatever you focus on is what you create. Whatever Mm. you think most of the day is what you create. So the thing is, if you want to change your reality, change your thoughts, change your focus. And uh, there's also like in the book, the four four or the five agreement, one of the things that he's talking about, think about like a movie theater. Let's say me, Jeremy, and my girl, Sally, have a dinner together and we're having conversation. We are experiencing the same exact stuff but if you would ask us after, we retain different information. We have different perspective. Uh, we have different opinions. So on the same topic, I experience this reality a certain way. Jeremy did a certain way. So you're not experiencing reality. You're experiencing the reality that your brain want to show you and that your brain tell you that you experience. That's why some people have trauma. And when, when I, as a coach, when I go back, my goal is... If your brain is acting a certain way, it's because events 
happen and, and put it a certain way. If we go back to the event and we change the meaning, we change how your brain, it's as simple as that because it was as simple as that to program it. An event happened, lead to a programmation. If you want to reprogram, rewire your brain, we go back to the event, we tweak it, ask question, and is it really what happened? And most of the time you're like, fuck no, I, my brain made it up. Like, and then it's super obvious later when there's yeah. no emotion related to it. So mm. you experience the reality you focus on. This is important, guys. This is the bomb. Like, this is a gem. If you can retain one thing is you want to change your whole world. Change your thoughts. Change your focus. That's why there was the book Think and Grow Rich. Yeah. And then when you think, you're going to feel. If you think positive and if you talk positive, you'll experience positive experience. But if you focus on everything that's negative, that's why I do um, gratitude journal. That's why I do positive stuff because... Even myself, no matter how good I think I am, days that I focus on what's wrong, I'll get depressed. I'll get in a depressed state. I'll get in a negative and, and I won't have anything good come out of it. So it's really important to change your behavior, your thoughts, your question. Yeah, no, for sure. And something you said too about like that dinner example, right? How like we'd all have different experiences We'd have the same shared experience, but our story about that experience would all be different. Yeah. Once you realize, bro, that there's 8 billion people on this planet called Earth, <laughs> right? That means there's 8 billion different realities, bro. Like, this yeah. is very therapeutic to think about, right? Because I work with a lot of people as well who have social anxiety, mm -hmm. right? And a big reason... A big root cause for social anxiety is we're a little insecure, maybe in our own skin. We lack self-esteem. We lack confidence. We're always concerned about the opinions of other people, right? Yeah. But when you realize that all the other fucking people around you are so focused on their own shit, their own reality, they're way too <clears throat> concerned about themselves <laughs> to ever be tripping about you, that, that shit gives you peace. And it's like really understanding that and, and coming back to compassion too, like having compassion, like everyone's in their own shit, bro. And like, I would, I would even add that if someone is judging you or being negative or whatever they want to think, it's because they have their own issue and trauma and that's what they're projecting on you because their reality is the reality external is what's going on inside. So if they're not feeling good and they don't love themselves, that's why they're judging you. But why would you give the power to someone else to make you feel like shit and vulnerable and this and that doesn't it feel fucking amazing when you can just dance and do whatever and you just don't care about what people say i fucking love to sing do i sing good i don't even care i sing all the time with my girl yeah. and stuff i i sing like what do you say any you fucking like song i love really? like i really love ed sharon and and sam smith and like not sam That's smith wild. now he's doing weird, weird shit but his music was good um but ed sharon is my favorite artist dude it's <clears> crazy because i i Ed Sheeran, I just found out, was the, he's the most streamed Stream artist, artist in the, in the world. world. That's crazy. Because everybody me. can relate to this kind of music. Everybody loves to be taken on a story. And, and, and I think he's just an amazing artist. Like, I've, I've been following him since his first album, like, The A-Team and all that stuff. Like, wow. um, which The A-Team is the story of a, of a prostitute and a drug addict. And a lot of people don't know because he... That's like you, bro. Prostitute. <laughs> yeah, prostitute and a drug addict. No, but no, yeah. <clears throat> so, guys, it's it's really important that you go on a journey to heal yourself. Well, what you what you and, just said too. Sorry to cut you off, but what you just said 
is really fucking important and relevant, I know, for both of us. I know a lot of people who don't post on social media. They don't create content even though they actually really want to, right? Because they fear people talking shit to them behind a screen. And whenever anyone leaves me a malicious comment on social media, bro, I really just take a breath and I'm like, damn, this person, yeah. Sally Pants, Joey, <clears throat> big, big Tommy boy, they felt the need to spend their precious Stop time their and energy, <laughs> right? To type something malicious behind a keyboard. Yeah. They don't know who I am. And, and, and that comes back to compassion. I'm like, damn, that person must, must be, be hurting oh, yeah. if they feel the need to, to spend their so time and energy. That. And it's like, it, it, it's one of those things, like, it, it creates a lot of peace when you have yeah. that perspective, though. Yeah. Right? And it, it's so funny because talking about trash talking, it's like, also, guys, be mindful. It's not because someone is a doctor that they know what the fuck they're talking about. They went to school, and the school system is very old, and what they teach you, and I can say without a fucking doubt and i can say that i'm i know a lot and sometimes way more than most of doctors than i know and and i was just in canada having a, an argument with a girl because a doctor prescribed her something and i'm like this is not how it work on the body and she's like yeah my doctor did it it doesn't mean she's good like the things that i've seen in the doctor stuff doesn't mean they're all bad it doesn't mean they're all good and one of your video recently i sent a friend uh reposted something that actually a guy and for me, if someone go on TikTok and put his white coat to feel important and feel like he needs it to share information, it's because he's insecure about his knowledge. And the thing is, <laughs> the guy goes on the video that you're at the restaurant talking about cold water in a, like with a meal and that it's really bad. And he's saying that this is bullshit. And just so you know, guys, not only that you're not supposed to drink cold water, you're not supposed to drink at all while you eat. 15 minutes to, to 15 minutes after because it will mess up with your saliva and, and the acid in your body. And then cold water, the guy was saying like, it's really good because it, 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 it produced energy to burn. But guess what? While, you're busy, while your body is busy producing energy to warm up the cold water, he's not digesting the goddamn food. So before you believe all the crap and, and online and if you know stuff and if you're well educated and you want to make content don't let those people get in your mind because jeremy is making amazing content that was like wow that's dope and then he's accusing him of doing it in public he's just doing it in a setup that people realize that it's often right there accessible for you and it doesn't mean because it's there that it's good and yeah, cold water, you're not supposed to drink it. The pH water is bullshit too. That's a whole other topic that we can have. I yeah, studied yeah. water a lot, but there's a lot of things. Now I would love to get in the topic of toxic masculinity. That would be um, a good topic because the feminists are, are, are taking, trying to take over the world. We're trying to diminish the importance of men. Men ain't shit. It's okay to talk against men. It's okay to say that men's are trash. It's okay to say that you want a six foot man, a big dick and a good lover. But we can't say that we don't want a fat girl or we don't want a, a tall girl. And we can't have us men, we're forget, we, we can't talk about any of our preference because it's judgment and it's this and it's that. And it was so funny because I watched a pop, like on a podcast yesterday and the girl is like, I want my man tall. I want him rich. I want him that. And he's like, I don't want my girl fat. And she's like, you can't talk like that about women. And then she leaves the podcast like, what, what's oh, going cause, on? Because like, he, 
if he <clears> says that, he's a body shamer now. Yeah, he's a toxic. But it's okay he's for. He's toxic and and he's a body. And shamer. the girl right before that, she says. Oh, Andrew Tate, I didn't know he was tall. He has like small guy energy. What is small guy energy? You just fucking body shaming someone. And then the guy, that's why he said, yeah, but I yeah. don't want my girl fat. And then she got triggered and she left. The thing is, we need to put a stop to all that. It's not okay on both. And at the same time, it's okay to have preference. Like some guys like girls with a little bit more curves. Some girls, some guys love girls that are like more skinny. Some girls love guys with muscle. Some girls love guys with dad bod. It's okay to have a preference. Are there girls who love guys with dad bods? Yeah, there's girls that love it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's funny, man. It's funny. Like, in, in, like all the examples you just said are, like, they're more physical attributes, right? But, like, even, even just, I've, I've, to, to, to say, to, to say toxic masculinity is inquiring that being masculine is toxic, toxic, right? I don't know about you, but I think the world needs more conscious masculinity in the fucking some world. Some real right? masculinity, not someone that lick ass of women to please them. And now everybody's fucking scared about talking about empowering men. And I got my account banned for talking that. I got Facebook banned. I got two warning on TikTok and Instagram because I was talking and I was actually saying that Tate, what he's saying is good. Um, and a lot of people get triggered and the people that hate him don't even know what he's talking about. They're just like, he's a misogynist on what, on what topic? Like, what are you yeah, talking yeah, yeah. about? And yeah. it, well, well I, it's just interesting. Cause like, I've never heard anyone say toxic femininity. Right. Yeah. And like, and here's the thing, here's the thing, like toxic femininity for me is, is like feminist. <laughs> exactly. Toxic femininity is actually like. A feminist in 2023 who, who's saying all men suck all men are scumbags they're trying to like out men men right like that's not how this ecosystem yeah. is going to thrive right if if you have all of these people in their masculine energy right then they even created like a coffee only for, for for women imagine if we did that tomorrow we make a coffee shop that no woman can come. Bro, we're the biggest misogynists. We go on the news, but women can do it. Of course, they went bankrupt. Like, but... <laughs> well, it, and it's, it's, it's like... It's, bro, it, it's really simple. It's really simple. We shouldn't it's like, fight gender to gender. We should empower each other. Exactly. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Especially in America, everyone takes shit to the extremes, right? Feminism, when it was actually first introduced, I believe had great intentions... I'm all about women's empowerment. For me, women's empowerment means educating women on their body, on their, on their cycle, so they can get off fucking things like birth control, so they can get off things like antidepressants, so they can reconnect to their body and their divinity. That's what fucking women's empowerment is. And also, also not telling women that they need to be like this bad bitch who's always hustling. Yeah. Right? Like, like, my mom was a mom. Like, that was her full-time job. And I'm fucking grateful for that. And that's not to say, like, if, if entrepreneurship and starting a business is your path, go and fucking do that. But Fuck it, yeah. it doesn't but don't mean do you're it. not a good woman if you choose not to do it. Exactly. It doesn't mean if you choose to nurture, which women love to have family and we need them. And it's okay to, to decide what role you want to do. But the whole thing about bad bitch and all that stuff, it's like, wait, 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 wait. It's like... A lot of women are way too in their masculine, like you said, because of that movement and they want to be a bad bitch. And all those women that I know that are like that, 
they're not in happy relationship and they try to boss around other men and then they say that they can't find men and when I'm talking with them I'm like if I feel like I'm gonna argue with my wife I don't want to be in that relationship and that's what happened often they're so like primed to argue about everything and they don't and, and to be honest bro like whether they recognize it or not in that scenario they actually inherently don't want to be masculine like a woman wants to be in her feminine <clears throat> but Again, society has programmed many women to believe that all men are scumbags and douchebags yeah. and, and, and that they're equal to men in their ability. In many ways they are, right? But like, like to, to imply that a woman is as strong physically as a man is just foolish. Like we're genetically yeah. disposed differently. And that- we were born to fucking be <laughs> hunters and literally sprint down fucking buffalo and bison, hunt that shit so we can feed our <laughs> wives, so we can feed our village. Like we're fucking designed to be warriors and killers, bro. And the bro. thing is, I think that's where there was a miscon- like a misconfusion when, when Andrew Tate is saying like, I'll remind her and that he just took it to the extreme of like, I'll slap her and whatever. We're not talking about beating girls to remember them that they're not as strong. The thing is, every gender as strong uh, points and as strong stuff we're equal in the ability to think and we're equal like if you are as qualified as me or you have better qualification as me for a job you should have it like it should work on qualification and stuff like that so that i'm for it a girl could run for president a girl could run for for that's all good empowering women like that is amazing but going against men and teaching or feminists that men's are scumbag and trash and that now it's normal to see that on the news and we don't need men and and then i don't see any woman fighting to go um do all the trash job and the mining and the petroleum like they don't want equality we should have 50 50 percent in that too like all the manual job why we don't see feminists fighting for it and it was another thing that was funny like in, in one of the podcasts i saw the guy is interviewing women and the girl is a super hype feminist and then she only a feminist when it serves her. Like when she wants to get in the club for free without paying. I've never seen, he's like, have you ever say, hey, no, no, I'm going to pay. And, and when people are paying shit for her, no, no, I'm, I'm a proud woman. I'm going to pay. No, it doesn't work like that. It's, it's like it serves you whenever you want. And that's a problem. And I respect women and embrace women. And my girl is actually an entrepreneur and she wants to do it and she's good at it. And I, I support her in doing so, but she's in her feminine energy. Yeah. That's the difference. And, and, and also, like, man, it's crazy too because with this whole shift in gender roles and masculine and feminine and there being so much confusion, right? It's like I see dudes splitting the bill with a girl on their date, which I think is like fucking atrocious bro i think men are here to provide and see, protect wait, wait, wait. see i have a different opinion on that All right, well this is this is what i believe right this is what i believe i believe that men inherently are here to protect and provide for their women and their families now now like if you're a friend with a girl and you split the bill cool like she's your homie no, awesome. but even on a date the problem is if i'm the- if i'm going on a date though like <clears throat> i go in with the expectation like like i'm taking care of this I appreciate if you offer. That's amazing. Like, I love that. But like, you know where it is the problem? 
I had too many girlfriends and I had too many friends and my girl could tell you, girl abuse, they gonna go on dinner, they don't even give a fuck about the guys and they're just like, I'm gonna get a free dinner. I had two sisters, I've seen so many girls, I know how it worked and when I was 22, I made a deal with myself to never pay for a first date and never pay until I will offer free trip to friends, that's, that's where I'm, I'm different. Every time I'm friend with a girl and I care about her and I love her, like as a friendship, as a girlfriend or whatever, I'll take care of the bill. They right. know. So on any date, I'm not taking care of any fucking bill. You know why? Because when I was young, I paid so many times and I don't even, I didn't even care about the girl and they were taking it for granted. Girls show up with no wallet. They don't care. They go on a date just to get the meal. And for me, it was insulting. And then not only that, they're like, oh yeah, for sure you have to pay. They don't even ask to pay. And then I was like, so, so that's a, a different issue, but that's also... That that's also part of where you were in your life, right? Like you said, you're 22. Like no, but even I'm, nowadays, what I'll like, do. I'm, but personally, like I'm, you know, I'm. You and I are like similar ages, right? Mm -hmm. Like I'm not gonna go on a date with a girl <clears throat> if I don't actually have an interest in connecting with her. But but how do you, so that, that's the that's where I differ. Like that's where now I do things differently. I'll get to know the girl before I don't offer a, a date at the restaurant the first day. Let's go for a hike. Let's go for tea. Let's go. Let's let me get to know you before I, I decide if I want to spend money. I, maybe I don't even enjoy your time quality with you. And I'm going to go sit for two hours in a restaurant stuck with you in front of me that I have no other choice to talk to you. Facts. Maybe I don't even like your energy. So for me, taking a shorter amount of time at the, on the first day that I see the girl like doing either a workout, going for yoga together, doing something different that I, I can feel if I like the girl. And then I don't want paying if I respect the girl. But I don't like to be taken abuse of. And I know, I'm not saying every girl, but I know it's a major thing. You live in Miami, LA, or any big city. It's, and every girl expects every guy to pay. So that's why for me, it's, it's not like that. I think, I think a big reason for that though, dude, is because most people are still in the matrix. They're living in a very yeah. material world. Like, like for me, it, it's just so ridiculous to the idea of a girl willing to sacrifice her most precious asset, which is time and energy for two, three hours with someone that she's not interested in just to fucking get a free meal, bro. Like, yeah. like you're in a dark fucking place. You feel me? That's why I'm saying personally, like as a man, if I'm going to go out with someone, but that's fine that she offers, but I'm going to You're be... a different man. You're like the girl that you're taking on a date or whatever you want to call it. You have an interest. But most exactly. of the time what guys and girls do, they meet on Tinder, Bumble or whatever. And they're like, yo, let's go for food. Okay. Like, bro, I don't even know if I want to spend time with you. And when I was that's 22, facts. I made this rule with myself. And at 25, I made it even, I, I put way other sort of boundary. And well, you want to know what's the crazy thing is at the beginning, a lot of girls were like, what, you want me to come over? Like, you, you think we're going to have sex on the first date? I'm like, hey, if we have sex, we're two people agreeing, right? Right? So you can control yourself. Yeah, worry about yourself. I'll worry about me. And if I tell you that I want to have sex and you don't want, you just say no. But if you're scared, yeah. don't come home. Like, if you can't even come to my place and we have a talk and I make you tea and I see if I enjoy your time before we do anything else. And your first thing is like... Let's go in public. Perfect. I live in an apartment building. Let's go downstairs. Let's go to the pool. Let's go anywhere. Let's go to a coffee shop. No, you want me? Often I was like telling the girl, hey, what do you want to do for the first date? And I was throwing it out there. And if they tell me like the most expensive restaurant, like one, one girl once in LA, I'm supposed to go on a date with her. Like, I don't like saying date. I'm supposed to just go 
like have dinner with a girl. And it just, we, it didn't happen for a few times. And then I, I tell her, where do you want to go? She sent me the most expensive place at the Ritz-Carlton, the restaurants and yeah, stuff. Yeah. I'm like, oh, so you think I never met you and I'm going to spend three, $400 dinner on you? I'm like, I'm not going. Then I called the restaurant, I booked for three and I brought my two boys and I paid for the bill. Just because, <laughs> bro, for me, don't disrespect me like that. Don't think I'm a fucking wallet. I work hard for my money. I made it. And I offered trip for, for friends of mine that didn't have money for free. I bought a car to my dad. I do things for people that yeah, I care you struck, about. You honestly strike me as someone, even though we haven't known each other for long, you strike me as someone who, who like is very generous and, and you like to take care of the people that you love. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, like, that's... It, again, like for me, as a man, like that is a priority for me. Yeah. I want to be able to provide and protect the people <clears throat> in my life that I love the most. Provide yeah. them the security, the safety, whether that's financially, whether that's physically, whether that's emotionally. Mm-hmm. That is what I feel like a man's role is. And there's nothing toxic about that. No, exactly. That's a fucking beautiful role. And like, you know, it's, it's one of those things, man. I mean, we can, there is like toxic behavior for women. There's toxic behavior for men, but Facts. generalizing that being masculine and in your masculine power is toxic and call it a toxic masculinity is not okay. It's not how it's supposed to be. Is there a toxic man out there? Yeah. Is there men that behave the way that they shouldn't behave? Yeah. Is there women behaving the way that they shouldn't behave? For sure. So the thing now is to put things back to where they belong. Let's empower women, which I do and I preach, and let's empower men. Let's not talk shit about each other. Let's not say let's work together, that bro. women are fucking useless and they can't do anything physical and they're a piece of shit and they should stay home. Never are you going to hear me talk like that. I empower women. And you know what? Let's say my girl... She doesn't want to clean. She doesn't want to do some stuff like that. We get a maid. That's why we work. I'm like, baby, if you want to work, if you want to make money, and if we're going to make money together, my girl pay half of the house. My girl pay half of the bill. Of course, there's some stuff that I add before or some stuff that I'll pay more because if I'm making more money. But at some point, let's say, like, let's say, let's say that in a year or two, something would happen and I would go bankrupt or whatever. Maybe for a period, she she would pay for stuff and it's okay. That's relationship. But the thing is, like, it's all about balance and stuff. And whoever make the most money, it's normal that you take care of more of the bill and stuff like that. And it's, it's no big deal. But saying that, like, I want one of the, like, one of the thing that I noticed, like, when I left my last relationship, (laughs) when I left my last relationship, bro, I ended up bankrupt at 25 no money, and my ex had $100,000 in a bank account. How can you explain that? Because I love to take care of people that I love, and I was paying for everything, and she was complaining, and she was, and her, she was saving all the money. So I was paying for rent, grocery, and I was paying for every fucking thing. And when we end up the relationship, bro, she's bawling. Yeah. And me, I'm bankrupt. So that's, that's where the problem is. Like, if you can afford to pay the whole, the whole rent, and, and, and you, if, you, if I make a million dollars a year, and I want to force my lifestyle on the girl... I'll pay because I'm forcing the lifestyle. But if we make decision and we're in relationship, it's important that the woman for me contributes facts and it makes me happy and it makes her proud. Like my girl is I'm super proud to say that she pay half of the house. Yeah. And it's funny because people still think online that it's like she doesn't pay shit or whatever. Half of the house, 
Half of rent and half of a bill for dinner are very different, though. <clears throat> no, no, but she pays sometime for dinner. Like, yeah, but, I'll, and I'll you, but you guys, you guys like are in like a serious, committed relationship. Yeah. That's not. But really if I bring a girl about. that I I really like, like you said, that I spent time with her before, I don't mind paying because I believe that most of the time men are making more money. That's what. That's why we'll pay. But I, I just want to put it out there that I don't agree with paying for the bill on the first date. I've lived it. I've heard enough horror story. I have a lot of fucking friends. Like, and yeah. it, it's been proven that girl, a lot of them take advantage of that and just be careful. And now you're a man of high value. So you choose way more carefully who you're going to spend time with. That, and, that, and that's honestly what I was going to say is like, you know, going back to like toxic masculinity, toxic, like it's all a game of self-love, bro. It's mm-hmm. all a game of self-love. Once you yeah. heal your shit, once you actually feel inner peace, once you feel perfect, whole, and complete just the way you are, you don't feel the <clears throat> need to bring anyone down, right? Yeah. You just want to lift others up with you. Yeah. And, and that, that's like, that's how I approach what, what you just mentioned in regards to, you said, um, relationship. I think it was something with, uh, Oh, being a high value man. Yeah. Right. Like that's exactly why for me, like my perspective, and it wasn't always like this, right. You know, it wasn't always like this by any means. Cause I can definitely see the situation you're talking about and like, understand that that's definitely real yeah. people taking advantage of people and doing that type of shit. Mm-hmm. For me though, I'm in a place as a high value man who's done a lot of fucking inner work. <clears throat> I deeply trust my intuition. Yeah. So I won't spend, invest any time and energy. But that's with now anyone. at thirty-two. Exactly. You know what I mean, like I generally, would, men that did as much inner work that we did is one percent of the population. Well, that's so, and that's why that's why I'm saying, like specifically for, for you me, right now. For you know me, I mean? as where I'm at in my life, thirty-two <laughs> years old, I'm a high-value man who's done a lot of fucking inner work on myself. I trust my intuition, intuition in such a deep way, like. I'm not going to invest time and energy and resources on spending time with anyone, man or woman that, that I don't feel a level of alignment with. Like yeah. I like to surround myself both with men and women who in some capacity inspire me to be a better version of myself. Yeah. Like coming to your home, bro, inspires me to step into more abundance, surrounding myself with a woman who's like super tapped into her emotions or her physical body that inspires me to mm-hmm. do deeper work in that area. So for me, yeah. I'm always like uh, assessing before I spend time and energy with anyone. I'm like, like, what can I learn from this person? Yeah. Right. Like I always want to be you in choose a position- carefully. It's like, it's like what I was talking to you. It's like, I'm very careful of who I invite in my home. Cause it's the energy. It's the stuff like Facts. and. And it's like, I went to see you, like we talked, then I went to an event, I met you in person. And then I was like, you let, you can come home. Like I like, and I was the same with my woman. Like I can't always say it was like that. Cause I was, I was, a lot of people were addicted to some stuff. I was a sexual addict, like from 23 to 24, right before my last girlfriend, I was, I was doing my thing. And, and it led me to a very dark path of very bad energy. And I was depressed and I was bankrupt and it just broke so many things. And I attracted a girl that was a full on whore. She was working at a whore house and I didn't know. So it's like my inner world was reflected by my outer world. And the thing is, once I healed all that, it's mm. now after that, 
when I, at 25, I started putting all those boundaries and then I didn't let just anybody in my house. Like then I was careful. I was careful of who I choose to spend time with, but that's once you understand that time is your most valuable assets. Yeah. And you understand that just being in the energy field of people, that's why it's important to go to mastermind, to be in a community, just being around people that are high individual with high vibration will raise your vibration that you want it or not. I'm curious to know, actually, since you said that, because I think a lot of people, both men and women, don't realize that any time you exchange sexual energy with mm -hmm. someone, bro, that is trauma a, or exchanging. That is a very significant transaction interaction that you're having with that person. Yeah. So it's really a powerful reminder to like be conscious and mindful yeah. with who you allow to experience your body in that intimate way, because yeah. you are exchanging energy. And yeah. when you were kind of on that, the varying journey, yeah. The when you, when you, <laughs> when you were going through kind of, I, I, it is an addiction, I guess. Right. When you're going, yeah, through it's like, if you can't control yourself, I call it an addiction. Like I couldn't stop doing it right. literally. So, so when you're going through that period of time and like you're sleeping around with different women, like, were you feeling those energies being transferred? Like, was that? Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Like the, the thing is every time, so guys, every time you have sex, there's a cord, an emotional cord that is linked because that you want it or not, you're linking two souls together, two fifth dimension being are linking and they agree for an exchange, whether you want it or not in 3D, whether you say, I'm, I'm not, it's not gonna, it's too much of a personal connection. You're inserting something in someone else. And if you look at, um, mm. I can put a picture, I'll put it here. But if you look, uh, the form of the, the penis and the vagina, how they go, it's like a brain. It's like the whole body is connecting. And mm. then you're exchanging enormous amount of information without you knowing. So I was getting trauma. I was having a lot of stuff and it was leading me to very dark and depressed. And then the reason why I was going through all that consuming of sex, it's because it was my only pleasure. Like I was literally depressed and I couldn't even spend a night alone. So I had to add a girl every night in my bed. And then once she was gone in the morning, I didn't like spending time alone. So I had another girl coming over and another girl. And it's just like, you're consuming it. Like it's, it's fucking a bag of chip, like left and right. And it, it took me, that's how bad it was. It took me once I ended up my relationship at 24, it took me two years after that to heal myself and clean myself from all that stuff. Two years. And how did you, like, you said you created boundaries at that um, time. Like, how did you go through that healing of all of that? So, yeah, the boundaries, it was for future relationship. That's why I stayed single for seven years until I found my girl. And then healing, I did, um, I went to shaman and psychic and I went to I went to seek mentor and I did journey and I did a lot of things to cut all the emotional cord and the baggage and um it was funny because one of the last thing I did for really deep cleaning it was the UN method it's like a monk the guy that does it and um what's it called it's UN method I I, I got the certification in it I'm just I didn't practice it as much I was just curious to see how it worked and basically it's a it's a quantum way of, of healing and stuff but the thing is just so you know when you're 
sleeping with someone, you're not only attaching yourself to the cord to that person, but you're attaching the cord to that person that any person that they had sex with. So let's say that, mm. let's say that Jeremy had sex with 50 girls. Those 50 girls had sex with 50 men. That quantifies super fast. Let's say that we're having a threesome with another girl. Now we're mixing all those people from everywhere because the more you realize that the whole world is connected and consciousness is one, the more you realize that it's a, it's a spider web going around. And a lot of the people, they didn't spider do the, web <laughs> of semen. Yeah. It's, it's way more than that, but it's like links everywhere. And there was study proven that sometime when people were feeling depressed, it was just another person, part of that spider web feeling depressed and they could feel the energy. So that's, it makes sense. That's man. how important it is to, do cleaning and be mindful it's sex is an amazing thing it's a beautiful thing yes there could be a lot of sexual pleasure and a lot of sexual encounter and there could be a lot of stuff if we lived in a pure consciousness world it would be amazing right now it's not exactly the case so just be careful and be mindful of who you share this thing with yeah no that was very well said man it's it's really interesting when you start thinking about things like that mm. and you start thinking in a more intentional way because then you realize, oh, wow, like I need to be very sacred with my body, with my energy, with this vessel, with this temple. If mm -hmm. anyone wants to experience my energy in person or yeah. even in a more intimate way, bro, that is something that for me is precious and not everyone, most people in fact, are not deserving of that. And that's yeah. not me coming from a place of arrogance, it's coming from a place of self-love. Like I love myself so much that I'm very mindful of who I put in mm -hmm. my environment, you yeah. know? And, and I think it's really important for people listening and watching like, like to, to maybe journal like, hey, who are the people that fill up your cup, mm -hmm. that energize you, that make you feel positive about yourself? And, and then who, who are those people? Yeah. yeah, like who are those energy vampires that are, that are, making you feel like shit that are not bringing value to your life. And, and then like one of the things I wanted to say, just cause we were talking about toxic masculinity is like, I think there's, there's really strict. I, I think one of the, one of the most toxic things a man can do is neglect his health. Yeah. Right. So the five specific things that I wrote down that I thought would be relevant to talk about are number one, right? These are five things that are really causing men to struggle and suffer, mm -hmm. right? Number one, drinking alcohol, specifically, specifically, bro, actually drinking beer has been found to really raise your levels of estrogen and decrease testosterone levels. But any alcohol point is bad guys. There's, don't, don't think that tequila or gin or anything oh, is no, any better. For it's, sure. It's, it's all trash. Bad. Number two, number two, the second thing that really destroys testosterone levels is poor sleep. They actually found yeah. a study, there's a study that less than five hours of sleep per night is the equivalent of accelerating your age 10 to 15 years in terms of your hormone panel and your T levels. So like the whole idea, like I'm going to sleep when I die. Yeah. yeah you're going to sleep when sleep. you die and you're going to sleep. for pussy, all that shit. Like, it's bro, chill down. like, and then, and then really like every time I see a man, drinking from plastic, right? I'm like, you're literally destroying your sperm. You're destroying your testosterone levels with all the phthalates, all the BPAs. Like we have this right here. Like Mike has a stainless steel bottle. I have a glass bottle. 
Invest in your health. Be yeah. mindful and of your health. To add something about the, the water is, um, in case you didn't know, guys, like 50, 50%, we have 50% less testosterone now that we had four years ago and stuff like that. And when Jeremy was talking earlier about the, all the women taking the pregnancy pill and all those hormonal pills, that's something that they don't clean in the water. That's why I have a machine. The machine is on my Instagram. It's on the link if you want. I did so many researches. The best machine out there that is right now. And it's going to clean all those toxicity, all that thing. And then mine puts hydrogen in the water. And the thing is, guys, you need to be mindful of what you put in your body. And all those chemicals and all those estrogen full of pill leaks in the water in the pee and all that stuff from women. And when they shower from every pore and then they don't clean that, they don't care. So you're drinking it and your plastic bottle and your cheap bottle and most of the bottle is just literally tap water that they barely filtrated, but they didn't remove all those chemicals. They didn't do anything. So you're still drinking it. And I think that you can get the machine for 50 bucks a month. It's not barely $1 a day. It's like insane to me that you don't invest in your health. And what was the two other thing? Uh, the, the, the fourth thing that I think uh, another thing that's really actually destroying both men's and women's hormone and overall health is actually skincare products, body wash. These are filled with parabens and all of these other mm-hmm. artificial chemicals that penetrate our bloodstream. Our skin is the biggest organ in the body. Anything we put on our skin, including sunscreen, makeup, whatever it is, yeah. absorbs into your bloodstream within 30 seconds. And that's going to really negatively impact your endocrine system, yeah. which is responsible for all of our hormones. So like be mindful and we can link to some stuff in, in the notes. Like, be mindful about what you're putting on your skin. You know that I, I didn't get sunburn. Uh, I stopped wearing sunglasses a while ago. I barely ever wear them because it fucks up with your vision and your body doesn't know that there's sun out there. So it doesn't produce the melanotan to, to protect you and all that stuff. And, and I don't put sunscreen. And I can literally stay for hours outside. And I'm a white boy. And I still don't get sunburned. Once I started changing, because actually it's proven that when you put sunscreen, it's fucking up with your skin a lot. And it's not good. And there's, what's cool about this world is like, there's basically solutions for all the problems we're talking about, right? Like, again, there's conscious skincare companies, conscious sunscreen companies. But yes, Like I was at Soho house today. I was at the beach earlier today and I just see these dudes, bro. Like they're already super pale and they're just lathering on the sunscreen. They're fucking taking a bath in all of these toxic chemicals. Understand very simply put, your skin is the biggest organ of your body. Everything that you put on your skin. You absorb one liter of water every time you take a shower on top of it because it's hot water. It stretch your pore makes them bigger and all the chemical and all this stuff so it's also important to have a fucking thing to clean your water like in the shower yeah all all (laughs) of these all of these things there's levels to it of course but it's like what's cool and again returning back to like where we started with plant medicine and psychedelics and mushrooms i think one of the greatest things that all of these medicines have in common is that they show us the highest version of ourselves. Yeah. And when you see a higher version of yourself, bro, you no longer want to consume all of these toxic artificial ingredients. You no longer want to put all this chemically laced sunscreen on your precious body. You no longer want to surround yourself with fucking people that suck. 
because you see your value. You see yourself as yeah. a king. I see myself as a king. So why would I ever want to do anything <clears throat> that's not in alignment with being a fucking king? Yeah. And that's what these medicines do is they help reconnect you to your highest self. And once you see that version of yourself, you can't unsee that version. Yeah. And one of the thing, like, I know, like, I, I don't know exactly the stats for women, but I know that stats for men are insane for suicide rate and depression because first they don't have the, the good friends around them. They don't have the environment. That's why I started a community. I have two communities that are free, one for the 55 day of abundance challenge and one for the road to abundance. And it's important to have community. It's important to share with other men. It's important to talk about your feeling and emotion. It's not being a pussy to have feeling. And if you, whatever you, whatever you, you repress will come out way worse. Whatever emotion you try to suppress will come out. It's like, it doesn't work to put all those emotion and bottle them up and put them in a cage. It's going to explode. And That's what leads to suicide for a lot of men. They bottle it up and at one point they just can't take it and nobody's there to talk to them. And it's like, it's okay, man. It's super manly actually to tap into those emotions and be a real man and be balanced in your feminine, masculine energy. And that's going to make you a way better CEO, a way better person, a way more wealthy person. That's being a fucking empowered king and queen is to work on yourself and do the work And it's not because there's anything bad or anything to fix and you have so many problems. It's because there's conditioning that happened and you need, and there's rewiring to happen. Like some stuff have been happening without you noticing because your subconscious mind is running 95% of your program. So now it's time to be in charge of that 95% as much as you can and decide how you want it to run. If I'm going to be, if I'm going to have it run my life, let's make sure it's run it the proper way. <laughs> and, and, It's, it's true, man. Yeah. Like I, I, I appreciate everything you're saying. And I think, um, I think it's really valuable too, for like men like you and I, because, you know, a lot of people will see you like you're Jack, you're tatted up, like you're a good looking mm -hmm. dude. And they all of a sudden create a picture of what you are, or what you should be. And they try yeah. to put you in a box. So I think it's really valuable for men like yourself and myself to have these conscious conversations and and really empower other men to understand to do the same. that feeling your feelings is a good thing feeling your feelings is sexy that means you're emotionally intelligent yeah, yeah. expressing your emotions in a healthy way that's even more beautiful right conscious communication being honest being compassionate being truthful Bro, it's so loving good. yourself so you can love others that is fucking beautiful and that's what I think makes you a king and makes myself a king bro yeah and it's not because also two things it's not because you see yourself as a king that other people a peasant or whatever everybody can be a fucking king oh facts. and it's to respect other people and every girl can be a queen while respecting other people and one of the things that I didn't really used to know how to do was to cry I just couldn't like for mm. years I was repressing it and what really At the beginning, I was crying very, very little in my life, like uh, two or three times for a girl when I was younger. And then my dog, when he died, which is crushed me, like literally, I, I know that life put that in my path like three years ago or two years and a half ago. And it was like devastating for me because dogs are unconditional love. So I had no protection against it versus people like I always kept like a little protection. So then when I discovered like the 
when I do journey, sometimes I'll be crying or bread work. Bread work is the thing that you don't need anything that also was probably the most powerful thing I've found in life that you can do anytime, anywhere, at any place. Um, and every time I was doing bread work and still I did bread work two days ago and I cried because mm. I'm releasing every energy that doesn't serve me. And you will have emotion coming up and it's okay because you're tapping into your subconscious mind after 10, 15 minutes, you deactivate the thinking mind, the frontal cortex. So the thing is emotion will come because you're tapping directly in your subconscious and releasing all that stuff. And does it feel fucking good, bro? When, when, when yeah. you release all those bottled up emotions, you do like Wim Hof type everything. I do. Um, it's more like I'm, I'm actually having one, the 14th of, uh, that is coming. I'll send you the link. Just join. It's a 35 minute breathing. With the You're inspiration, it? yeah, I'm leading. Oh, nice. Where's it at? I'll do it online, so you can just okay, do it cool. from your house. Um, put a yoga mat. I'll send you the info. It's bro. It's fucking. Now I'll be hosting it twice a month, and it's more like holotropic breathing, like kind of like Wim Hof, but Wim Hof give you a break. Yeah, and yeah. the thing is, when you take the break after 40, 50 puff of like the double breathing and stuff. Um, it's good to build up the oxygen and all that stuff. And I know his technique is to... With the breath holds, you mean? Yeah, the yeah, breath yeah. hold is good. It, it serves its purpose. But if you want to tap and do something magical and activate the most DMT, I'd never stop breathing for the 35 minutes. Wow. Yeah. But that, and that's interesting too because like it's called breath work. It's for a work. reason. Oh, the 35 minute, bro, you're in it for a treat. Like, But it's the most powerful experience and probably... When you're going to do it, it's probably going to be the most life-changing experience you've ever did. Except for journey, which I consider that they're the same. And sometimes I combine both of them. For I sure. do a little dose and then I do bread work. And bro, the shit I see on it, it's like bread work. I would say, you know how you feel when you're calm and grounded on, on, on psilocybin? That's how you feel after it. It's like I can download a lot of stuff. And the, the best part about the bread work is once you did the work, just settle in for five minutes stay in shavasana like the the corpse pose which is always the hardest because you want to get up you want to do things but you need to download whatever you have to download and just fucking enjoy the work that you put in Thanks. yeah so I, yeah the, like it, the, the breath is the breath is free like, <laughs> exactly and and heard this quote that really resonated with me recently it's the presence of oxygen means the absence of disease, right? Yeah. There's a lot of ways to die, but Breathing every one of them <laughs> is the stoppage of breath, right? Mm -hmm. So by being intentional about inhaling that oxygen, delivering that oxygen mm -hmm. to your bloodstream, your brain, like that is life force. Yeah. So the best thing you can do at any moment is just pause and breathe. And see how that shifts your state. See how that shifts your mood. See how that shifts your life. And like you mentioned, it's fucking free, right? You can get high off your own supply for free. <laughs> yeah, man. It's it's super powerful. And I'm tired, bro. We're going to end the podcast on this. Give me your top three book right now. And then where people can find you. And we're going to end top, on that. Ooh, top three books. All right, I, to be honest, like one of my intentions... This year is to actually be more intentional about reading. Like one of the things that I'm very big on is um, I'm not about like quality of books. There's the people who are like, I want to read a book a week. And I'm like, that's amazing. I personally am never going to be that type of person. <laughs> I rather read like 
10 books in the year and actually like process them and mm-hmm. integrate them into my life. Yeah. Right. I think that's more important, at least for myself personally. So I would say th- three, three top books. Um, that's, that's tough. Okay. Three. What? Let me, let me close my eyes real quick and just like think about what's on my bookshelf right now. Um, don't think too much. Like the first one that comes in your mind are often the, the most the, powerful. Yeah, the the number one book that I'd recommend, like right off the bat, is Mastery of Love by Don Miguel Ruiz, the same author oh, of Four okay, Agreements. Yeah. I've I've read it. Yeah, fucking amazing. I gift that to every one of my students in their welcome package. Like Mastery of Love is really a beautiful way of like demonstrating the importance of self-love yeah. and how to actually start cultivating it for yourself. Mm-hmm. So I would definitely recommend that book. Um, it's so interesting, bro. I'm like drawing, I'm drawing blanks right now. Um, uh, Whatever the book comes in your mind right now, it's what people need. It's like consciousness giving it to you. So the second book that comes in your mind without so thinking. Is Seven Spiritual Laws of Success by Deepak Chopra. These are all very short, small, That's like good. quick books. Yeah. But again, I love that because it combines spirituality and success and wealth. And I think sometimes think people think like you can't be spiritual and super successful and wealthy. And actually, <laughs> actually that's when you're wealthy and fulfilled. The two can completely coexist and it's understanding like, Oh wow. Like actually the more I tap into myself, the more I love myself, mm. the more I cultivate self-awareness and self-love is actually going to give me the ability to create more wealth and more abundance. Yeah. And it's that intersection of understanding that. So, yeah. And before you give the last book, just to say a little thing about that, guys. Uh, a very interesting thing that I used to think when I started my spiritual journey is that uh, you don't need money. You don't need all that thing, which is often like you're going to see the EP vibe or, or the spiritual vibe. A lot of people think like that. But a question you can ask yourself is, if I have more money and more wealth and a lot of it, can I do good with it? Yes. Thanks. Can I feed children can i start a non-profit can i help the people that i love can i enjoy the experience way more yes so it is empowering for your spirituality to have a lot of money and a lot of wealth it's because often we think about all the material possession that we want it's okay to have material but the thing is to remember that more money means doing more good on a bigger scale what if i my money can make me create school uh, educate children, have hug class. I have a lot of, there's a lot of fucking thing I want to do with my money. And I, my goal is to be worth 20, um, in, within 20 years, a billion dollar. And the reason why I want to do it, it's not even for the fucking material thing, because for a while I, I didn't even care about that. Like the thing is I want to create stuff that I need the money for. And, um, it's actually super good for your spiritual journey to have wealth and it's, it's embrace it. And the last book, well, I, I just want to second that because I personally have had like a lot of limiting beliefs around money to overcome mm-hmm. in my own life based on my upbringing. And for me, I am now so clear in understanding that the more financial abundance I bring into my life, the more impact I'm able to create in the world. And mm-hmm. I think if people could have that perspective, like, oh, wow, if I'm fucking broke, not only can't I help my family. I can't even help other people. So you can't help yourself either. Cause you exactly. can't, cause if and like you're always you said, stressed about money, bro, like people don't understand 
People don't understand. It's the worst like, stress. If you don't know if you're going to eat and you're going to pay your rent and car, I've been there and it's horrible. 70% of Americans are living paycheck to paycheck right yeah. now. You don't think that that constant stress, whether, whether, whether you're going to be able to <clears throat> pay rent, put clothes on your child's back, eat real, whole, nutritious food, like, like understand that, that for me, bro, like, and it goes back to honestly, like, I think it's my role, number one, to pursue my passions and align myself with my purpose. <clears throat> Once I yeah. do that, it's like, okay, how can I use my passions and purpose to create more impact? And, and, and after that impact, it's about income. There's a direct correlation between the impact I make in the world and the income that I create. The more people that I'm impacting and empowering on a daily basis. You're serving the consciousness, the people. Exactly. The and, and, and that's what I, I think people fail to, to, to realize sometimes. is like we often hear the expression like multiple streams of income. And I'm all about multiple streams of impact. How many yeah. ways can I find to, to, to use my gifts and share my gifts authentically that is going to change lives in a positive way. And I know if I can really continue that path mm -hmm. and create more avenues to, to create positive impact, it's going to directly impact the bottom line. It's going to yeah. allow me to make more money, create more financial abundance. And with that financial abundance, I'm just going to pour into the people more impact, more influence. Yeah. Then you can like, create journey. You can do a lot of things. You can do retreat. You can also pay for people to come speak at your retreat. There's the, unlimited potential with it and yeah man fucking amazing and the last book the last book and i'm just gonna say say this for i'm just gonna say it like it's a short quick book that impacted me in a big way is energy bus okay yeah yeah, yeah. by john gordon um and it basically talks to you talks about the importance of really having a positive mindset and perspective on the world and it's such a short book you can probably finish it in like two hours and those are the books i like because like if I, you really the thing is not only to read them like he said it's to be mindful and what the book mean because often short book like even the alchemist they're packed with so many knowledge and subliminal message and lesson that you can get and even the book that i'm writing right now is going to be like that it's going to be like in between the alchemist and the Celestine prophecy in terms of length, maybe 50,000 words, which is a short book. But the thing is, I put so many important lessons, but I give them to you as a story and as a subliminal message. But it's mm. important that when you read, you're mindful of what you're reading and what you can correlate into your life. And my second book will be more about like lessons that I'll give you directly stuff. But this is going to be, I love that you already layer. have like that laid out too. Like, yeah, man, it's, I had this uh, download that I needed to write book and I, I, I read so many books, bro, so many. So I always wanted to, it's like, why not create? Yeah, my so own? I wanted to create something in my own way. And I love creating and expressing my creativity because also what's cool is that there's abundance in this world. And some people will resonate with your way of speaking and your way of teaching. And some people will resonate with mine. That's why I believe in sharing also. And that's why I'm having nice. you on the podcast. That's why I'm sharing it. And even if we do kind of the same work, I'm not scared that people would go with you. For the sure. thing is, if they want, at least you're doing a positive impact on the world. That's, so, that's, that's an important message. We'll touch on that the other the, the yeah. next time. So tell it's us like, where they can find you. 
Yeah, man. Um, all platforms, TikTok, Instagram, at Coach Jeremy305, YouTube as well. I have the Thrive University podcast. I don't have an OnlyFans yet, but, but, but <laughs> might, coming, might convince man. me otherwise. Um, and yeah, we got the free microdosing course that I launched. A lot of cool you have shit. the microdose mastermind too. We have the microdosing mastermind. We have the awaken your soul if you want to tap into the medicine <laughs> and the chocolate. Um, but yeah, man, hit hit um, hit Mike and I up. Tag us on your IG story. You know, Coach Jeremy. Obviously, you guys already know Mike's handle. Uh, tag us on your IG story and just let us know like what resonated from this conversation. We probably went for like fucking two hours. Yeah, it was, it was probably an hour and a half, but guys, thanks for, for tuning in. I hope that you learned something. I'll see you in another podcast and we'll have another one with Jeremy for sure in the future. Peace. <laughs> Appreciate you, bro. Thank you for having me in your home.